The deep state is using communists and has been using communists and will continue using communists to enslave all of humanity. And I've got the proof. Stay tuned and I'll tell you more. Hey everybody, I'm Alex Newton. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Deep State. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, I want to talk today in some more depth about how the deep state is using communists and how they have used communists for generations to uh, destroy liberty, to destroy families, to destroy nations, and to enslave humanity. Uh, it's not a new phenomenon, so we'll do a little bit of history, but I also want to talk about uh, a trip that a top American communist took to China. We're going to spend a little bit of time on that, breaking that down, going through what he had to say, because folks, this is critical to understand. Um, if you don't understand how the deep state has been using communism and communists to pursue its one world order agenda, um, you really miss big parts of what's happening. Um, and, and I think even the things that are going on today with China, with Russia, with Ukraine, with Eastern Europe, with the European Union, um, you need to have this background. So let's dive into it. I want to start with uh, the book Tragedy and Hope, written by uh, Carol Quigley. Uh, now, this was Bill Clinton's mentor. You can see him uh, thanking Carol Quigley at the uh, DNC event. Check this out. And then as a student at Georgetown, I heard that call clarified by a professor named Carol Quigley. So Carol Quigley was a very prominent historian from Georgetown University, and he, he really viewed himself as a member of the deep state. Uh, I mean, he, he writes in his book about how he's been very close to them all these decades, and they allowed him to examine their secret papers for a period of few years. Uh, and he actually says he agrees with their ultimate objectives. He says his chief point of disagreement with them is that they want to be secret, they want to be concealed, and he thinks they ought to be known. So he wrote this book, Tragedy and Hope, where he kind of spilled the beans. We, we've done... Uh, a whole episode on Carol Quigley. You can go back and watch that. A very significant individual. You can see the book right behind me, right there, Tragedy and Hope. See, uh, So uh, most of it's rather boring, but uh, one of the things that he says in there, and I'm, and I'm going to give you a direct quote from here. He says, uh, there does exist and has existed for a generation an international Anglophile network which operates to some extent in the, in the way that the radical right believes the communists act. In fact, this network, which we may identify as the roundtable groups, has no aversion to cooperating with the communists or any other groups, and it frequently does so. Uh, and that's a real understatement. Uh, I wouldn't say cooperating with, I'd say more directing the communist movement. And we'll get into that in a little bit more depth uh, in a moment. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, Carol Quigley goes on to say that I know of the operations of this network because I've studied it for 20 years. It was permitted for two years in the early 1960s to examine its papers and secret records. Um, he talks about how their ultimate objective is to create a global system of uh, financial control in the hands of the elites, where uh, the economy and the politics of the world will be under their control. He says the apex of the system is the uh, Bank for International Settlements, the central bank of central banks, which uh, he says is a private institution, just like the central banks that it oversees, that it, it links together, uh, are also private corporations. So he thinks this is all great. He, he's talked about the Council on Foreign Relations as one of the leading outposts of this international Anglophile network here in the United States. Uh, he gets into some of the history, how it was founded uh, by the uh, South African uh, British mining magnate, uh, Cecil Rhodes, uh, when he passed on, he left uh, his massive fortune to the secret society uh, with multiple rings, uh, concentric rings uh, of uh, power where the inner circle doesn't really tell 
the outer circles, everything that's going on. Um, and so that gives you some insight, right? I mean, these, these people have been openly working with the communists for a long time, but it's even worse than that. Um, if you get the book uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by Anthony Sutton, uh, I regard him as, as one of America's most important historians. Uh, out of all the hundreds of years of American history, he is, uh, in my opinion, one of the top three most important historians to have ever worked in the country. He used to be at Stanford University. He's passed on now. But uh, he wrote a number of critical books that, uh, and I don't think you can really truly understand the deep state without reading his material. But uh, one of the books he wrote was called Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. And what he does there, he gets actually U.S. State Department documents and corporate records and testimony. Uh, and what he shows is that the Bolshevik Revolution was basically a wholly owned subsidiary of the Wall Street megabanks. Uh, the huge U.S. banks based on Wall Street funded uh, Lenin and Trotsky and the Bolshevik revolutionaries in their overthrow of that great empire, the, the czarist government in Russia, for very specific purposes. Okay, uh, and, and when you understand that the revolution was literally funded by and directed by the deep state insiders and the mega, mega bankers on Wall Street in New York and also, of course, in London, uh, suddenly things make much more sense. Um, you have uh, also you've had for, for many, many decades uh, some of the top foundations in America openly moving in this direction, openly aiding and abetting the communists. Uh, we've talked about Alger Hiss on this program many times. He was, of course, uh, a U.S delegate to the uh, UN summits that created the UN. He was actually the chairman of the conference that wrote the UN charter. He was the first secretary general of the UN, uh, the United Abominations. And um, he, uh, before that, he, he was actually at the helm of the Carnegie Foundation, right? And the Carnegie Foundation has been one of the instrumental uh, foundations that has fundamentally transformed American society toward a more collectivist model. And so our, our Congress got very concerned about what was going on with these big foundations. They noticed that they seemed to be funding communist movements, funding subversion. So they actually put together a select committee to investigate these tax-exempt foundations, the Reese Committee, the Cox Committee. This was back uh, in the late 1940s, and the final report came out in the early 1950s. And uh, they found many incredible things. They found that these big foundations were openly promoting collectivism. They were uh, promoting subversion. They were promoting an oligarchical collectivist model of government. They were undermining the very protective concepts that uh, are that protect America from communist subversion. And uh, he's, he actually says, uh, uh, Norman Dodd, and, and in the final report, they talk about how uh, the subversion through the education system was critical. They said, actually, there was a revolution that took place in the country that never would have been possible were it not for these foundations and their influence over the education system in America. So that's been absolutely critical. Uh, they brought in uh, ideas from communists like John Dewey, uh, the founding father of America's public school system, and, and really just got that entrenched in the minds of multiple generations of young people. Now, I want to show you a little clip, uh, and, and we've showed this before, too, in, in other episodes, but uh, it really perfectly shows you what's going on here. Uh, Norman Dodd was the chief investigator for the select committee, and uh, he did a, an incredible interview with uh, G. Edward Griffin, and he did several, where he broke down what he discovered while serving as the chief investigator for this congressional select committee investigating these tax-exempt foundations. Now, listen carefully to what he says here. That what we had uncovered was the determination of these large endowed foundations through their trustees to actually get control over the content of American education. There's quite a bit of publicity given to your conversation with uh, Rowan Gaither. Uh, would you please tell us who he was and what was that conversation you had with him? Ron Gaither was at that time president of the Ford Foundation. And um, 
Mr. Gaither had sent for me when I found it convenient to be in New York, whereupon he made this statement to me, namely, Mr. Dodd, we here operate on similar, in response to similar directives, the substance of which is that we shall use our grant-making power so to alter life in the United States that it can be comfortably merged with the Soviet Union. So, uh, a little bit of background. He's talking about how, uh, after he was appointed to, to lead this commission, he, he was invited into the office of the, the head of the Ford Foundation, Alan Geithner. And uh, Alan Geithner is like, hey, you know, what are you doing investigating us? I'll tell you what we're doing. You know, just come on into my office. And he says, hey, we're, we're working to so alter life in the United States that we can be comfortably merged with the Soviet Union. And that, folks, is the ultimate objective. That remains the ultimate objective to this day. Now, uh, the communist revolutionaries on the ground in America, the people stirring up strife and unrest in our cities, are totally on board with this agenda, with the one world order agenda, with the new world order. And I can I can, and I will prove it to you. Uh, one of the key characters in Black Lives Matter is, of course, um, Alicia Garza. We'll come back to her. But uh, before we do, um, you know, the U.S., the, the Communist Party of the U.S., the CPUSA, Communist Party USA, um, was always a tentacle of the Soviet Union. Um, and uh, it, it continues to be an integral part of the international communist movement. Now, back in 2018, in late May and in early June, uh, the head of the Communist Party USA at the time, John Bachtel, actually went over to uh, Communist China to celebrate Karl Marx. And uh, he celebrated what he described as the emergence of a new world order being ushered in by Communist China. Um, he, uh, he actually had previously boasted about how the Communist Party USA was utilizing, he said they utilize, and I'm quoting, utilize the Democratic Party here in the United States as a vehicle to advance their objectives and, and stop the right in the United States. But um, when he went over to China, I mean, just unbelievable the things that he said. And they actually reported this in their propaganda newspaper because they know the fake news will not cover it. But uh, he, he was bragging about what was going on here. He celebrated what, uh, what he described as, and I'm quoting again, the peaceful rise of China and the decline of U.S. imperialism, the emergence of a multipolar world. Uh, he said, and I'm quoting again, the world is entering a new era of global relations driven by China's peaceful ascendance and the decline of U.S. and Western imperialism. He went on to claim that the, uh, the, the communist Chinese regime, the most murderous dictatorship in human history, uh, over 100 million victims, not including the hundreds of millions of unborn babies murdered in uh, abortions, forced abortions, population control. I uh, said this regime is working to, and I'm quoting here, build a more just and reasonable new world order. Well, isn't that cute? Uh, he, he boasted about its uh, system of participatory and consultative democracy. He said it was very unique and uh, no trace of irony there. He says, uh, to summarize, China remains an evolving new democracy. Uh, meanwhile, during this time, President Trump was president. And he was calling Trump a dangerous authoritarian leader. But communist China... The, the regime that operates concentration camps, that chops uh, organs out of political prisoners, that perpetrates forced abortions to implement its population control policies. Uh, it's got a, a million or more Uyghurs in forced re-education camps in, in Western China. They are a model democracy, but Donald Trump was a dangerous authoritarian leader. Okay? Uh, Bakhtel went on to, to boast that uh, the China was becoming a global leader in the fight against climate change. <laughs> I'm not kidding, folks. 
Uh, they are building coal-fired power plants faster than we can count them. Okay, uh, Their cities are so polluted that you sometimes can't go out of your house for health reasons because the sky is so thick with toxic pollution. And yet somehow China is leading the fight against climate change. It tells you everything you need to know about this ridiculous, phony climate agenda. It's not about the climate, folks. The issue is never the issue with the communist revolutionaries. The issue is always the revolution. So if he says China is the leader in the climate, in solving the climate crisis, what he means is China is the leader in enslaving humanity under the guise of solving the alleged climate crisis. Uh, he goes on to say that only socialism can ultimately restore a harmonious relationship between society and nature and between humans and their labor. And the remarkable experience in China shows a socialist-oriented system makes the transition to sustainability on a massive scale possible. Okay, these are direct quotes, folks, from the head at the time of the Communist Party USA. Um, and, and folks, to get some understanding of how powerful uh, the Communist Party USA is. I mean, you know, pe people think of the Communist Party USA, they think, oh, a little fringe group of losers, nobody pays any attention. Uh, and that's what they want you to think. They want you to think that this is, it's totally irrelevant, but it's not, right? Uh, who could forget the head of the CIA, John Brennan, total deep state toady, uh, admitting uh, to the Congressional Black Caucus that he voted for the candidate of the Communist Party USA, uh, Gus Hall, back in 1978. And he admitted that to the CIA when he was applying for a security clearance, and he got the security clearance, he got the job, promoted him up through the ranks until he ended up running the CIA, folks. Uh, we've got the uh, former head of the FBI, James Comey, admitting that he was a former communist. So uh, the, these folks are incredibly, incredibly powerful, incredibly influential. Uh, McCarthy and the uh, uh, various congressional committees that were investigating the communist movement scratched the surface uh, about the penetration of Hollywood, the, the United Nations, the State Department, the intelligence agencies. But they were really just scratching the surface. Uh, we know from the Venona documents that uh, were intercepted by our government, the, the communists had hundreds of leading agents everywhere uh, in education, in foreign policy, in military, in intelligence, uh, even in, quote unquote, entertainment. Uh, and so now you're thinking, all right, well, the communists like the communists and the communists in America like the communists in China. Wow, that's a surprise, right? Well, it's not just the communists in America who like the communists in China. The communists at the highest levels, the self-proclaimed capitalists, uh, also really like communist China. Uh, we've shown you some of these pictures before. Here's Bill Gates with Winnie the Pooh, uh, also known as Xi Jinping, the mass murdering dictator of communist China. And you should see these people slobbering over each other, right? Bill Gates and Xi Jinping write these ridiculous love letters about how great it is to work with each other and how fun it is. Uh, Bill Gates is actually uh, very, very influential within communist China. They love him. He loves them. Uh, same thing with Klaus Schwab, the head of the, uh, the World Economic Forum. Uh, here, you, here you see a picture of Klaus Schwab with Xi Jinping. This was a, actually appeared on the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Communist Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs website, where they're just gushing over each other. Oh, Klaus Schwab loves Communist China. Oh, Communist China loves Klaus Schwab. Oh, we've been partnering for decades. Isn't it wonderful? And uh, that brings me back to the new world order that the communists are talking about, that the capitalists are talking about, that Joe Biden is talking about. Um, we've showed you this video a few times, but I just want to drop it again just so you can uh, kind of reiterate what's going on here, folks. So here's George Soros talking about who's going to run the new world order. And notice, this is exactly the same thing that the head of the Communist Party USA is saying. Watch this. To bring China into the creation of a new uh, 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 world order. And of course, the minions at the street level got the message, right? Alicia Garza, uh, one of the three founders of Black Lives Matter. Um, listen to this video where she's explaining what was at stake in the 2020 election. Alicia, what do you think's at stake in November election? Everything. <laughs> like 
like everything is at stake and I'm really not being um, facetious about that. Yeah. To be real, what's at stake is whether or not a new world order is able to take root and grow. Yeah, a new world order. Okay, a communist new world order. Uh, listen to her friend Patrice Cullors admit that uh, the that Alicia, the girl we just saw, and uh, and her are trained Marxists. Watch this. I also think that it might. Um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, uh, and then last but not least, the, the third founder of the Black Lives Matter movement, if you don't count George Soros, uh, here she is. You can see her picture with the mass murdering dictator, communist dictator of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro. So, folks, uh, yes, the communists in America are burning down our cities. Yes, they are taking big, huge money from people like George Soros, from the Fortune 500 companies. And yes, their goal is a communistic new world order. Uh, and as I mentioned, this is not new, guys. At the highest levels, the most elite capitalists in America have been on board with this agenda from the beginning. Uh, here is a, a screenshot of the New York Times's uh, ridiculous publication of, of uh, David Rockefeller's article on China. He went to China in the early 1970s and wrote this in 1973 for the New York Times. It's an op-ed. Uh, and uh, look at the stuff that he says, right? Uh, the social experiment in China under Chairman Mao's leadership is one of the most important and successful in human history. Let that sink in, folks. That is absolutely insane. And yet that is what David Rockefeller, the chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations, one of the supposedly the most prominent capitalists in the world, is saying. Uh, he, here's a picture of Mr. Rockefeller with Fidel Castro. Look at the love in their eyes, right? You can just tell they're slobbering all over each other. Um, and uh, a pretty amazing picture, right? And then uh, uh, Rockefeller in his autobiography, David Rockefeller's his autobiography came out uh, about a decade before he died. Um, really incredible revelation. He, he actually admits that, uh, hey, you know, some some critics have seized on this picture to, to, to ask questions about me. Well, uh, you know, they, they even allege that I'm part of a, a secret cabal uh, working with internationalists around the world, conspiring against the best interests of my country to build a more integrated political and global, uh, excuse me, political and economic order, a one world order, if you will. Uh, and then he says, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. He's proud to be conspiring against America with communists to overthrow our system. Um, and, and the deep state in the U.S. has been helping the communists all along, folks. The deep state, like I mentioned, helped enslave the Soviet Union. Then they helped build up the Soviet Union, right? The, the propagandists here in America marketed Uncle Joe to us, uh, Joseph Stalin, as if he were just his friendly uncle. Uh, we built up the Soviet war machine. American taxpayers paid to build uh, weapons factories all over the Soviet Union. Uh, the, the U.S. government, the deep state, helped enslave Cuba and China, both. Uh, the New York Times, of course, a mouthpiece for the deep state, helped that process along. Walter Durante covered up Stalin's genocide of Ukrainians uh, by starvation. Uh, brutal, brutal. He was just parroting Stalinist propaganda uh, overtly in the New York Times, and he ended up getting a Nobel Prize for it. True story. Uh, Herbert Matthews, another propagandist for the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, actually a member of the CFR, um, uh, told America that Fidel Castro, the mass murdering communist butcher who enslaved Cuba, was actually a freedom fighter, was a George Washington of Latin America, even though everybody who knew anything knew that was fake. Robert Welch, founder of the Birch Society, knew that was a lie. Uh, ambassador Earl Smith, the U.S. ambassador to Havana, uh, knew that was a lie. In fact, he wrote a whole book about it, The Fourth Floor, the story of how uh, the U.S. government, the deep state within the U.S. government, brought 
communist dictatorship to Cuba. We stabbed our allies in the back, right? We stabbed Chiang Kai-shek in the back in China. Um, we uh, Literally, uh, agents of the deep state in America, like George Marshall, put an arms embargo on him so he could not fight back against the communists. Same thing they did to uh, Fulencio Batista in Cuba, put an arms embargo on him and, and uh, aided deliberately the communists. And folks, this continues to this day, right? It's happening as we speak. The communists are the tip of the spear for the deep state totalitarians who hope to destroy civilization and enslave us all. Don't be deceived. Don't fall into the trap. Uh, and, I, and I've even heard, uh, you know, truth seekers, so-called, uh, claiming that China is going to save us from the new world order or Russia is going to save us from the new world order. Folks, uh, don't believe it. Do not believe it. It's a lie. The communists and the deep state are working hand in hand to enslave humanity. And in fact, the best way to understand the communist movement is as an extension, a tentacle of the diabolical deep state that wants to enslave, pillage, destroy and kill. We've got to expose them. We've got to stop them. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State. Please share this out. You know the fake media is not going to tell you. You know the lying, uh, evil, big tech companies are not going to get this out. And go to thenewamerican.com. Get subscribed to the daily headlines. Get subscribed to the print magazine. Best source of information you will find in America. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. Until next time, God bless you all. If you enjoyed this video, please make sure to subscribe, hit like, hit that little bell so that you'll be notified whenever we post new videos. And also, please make sure to share this video with your friends. Email is a great way to do it. Remember, there are powerful forces working to steal our freedom and destroy our country. We need to work together, expose those behind the deep state. Otherwise, you can kiss your liberties goodbye.